0: Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Out Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. Solveto, EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduhouse.fi/cloudpro. I am Tobias, and I am back again with see What's up, my friend?
1: Hi, Tobias. I spent the weekend at a company offsite in a sports resort this this past weekend. Uh, we did less sports than I expected, but we did more steaks and more wine than I expected as well. So I think that balances out. Great debates, great discussions. Super nice to spend time with your colleagues because usually we are a fairly remote only company. So people are here and there. You don't really see them in person that often. So super nice to get out and about and, and 48 hours, no str- strict agenda. No deliverables. We cooked together. We went to dinners together. We did the hot tub. We did the sauna. We did the swimming. So still recovering. The next offsite will be ten months away, so that I can recover in peace.
0: <laughs> that sounds amazing. That's one of the things I miss the most. I think the going on the offsites and with no agenda, right? You just get out there. You have some steaks. You have some dinner. Whatever you want to eat. Uh, and just have a good time. Now, being in Finland, obviously, I'm not surprised by the sauna and the hot tub and all these things. Um, as a side note, I found a portable sauna, and I'm going to need your. I'm going to send you a link later. I'm going to need yep. your advice on that. You're probably going to say no, but that was an interesting <laughs> thought process. Can I have a portable sauna in my garden? Anyway, uh, on my end, I have bought a must-have, which is really a nice to have, which is really something I just want to have. So it's an underground beer and wine cooler. You have it in the garden. It's about 20 centimeters in diameter. So it's a cylinder that you bury into the ground and place a cylindric container with an like extendable arm that you can just pull up. And there's 12 bottles of your favorite wine, beer, soda, whatever you want to put in there. And it's always chilled all the year around because it's in the ground. So it doesn't freeze in low temperatures. It doesn't get hot in the summer. So in a way, I'm trying to justify this as a purchase, as a sustainability effort because it runs without electricity because
1: you just bear it in the ground
0: like you did in the old days. So that's that's what I've been up to.
1: That sounds awesome, especially the wine bit. All righty, uh, community highlights. I found an interesting article. This is more like a GitHub project from Aymen. It's about it's a sample chat GPT style application that uses data from any YouTube video. So it, it gets the transcript and feeds that to your large language model so you can chat with your videos.
0: <laughs> this is so meta. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but still, okay. still I, I, I like the idea. Uh, so definitely you can you can find the link in the show notes for this if you want to spin it up. I didn't have time to spin it up yet, but it looks promising. Uh, what did you have?
0: So on my side, um, to my surprise, this is not on AI, which most of these are these days. This is by David Giardi uh, about increasing developer velocity. And that caught my eye because we talked about developer velocity in episode 34, which now seems like 20 years ago, but was actually in June 2020. Uh, David breaks down some of the thoughts on developer velocity in in his blog, so we'll put that in the show notes as well.
1: Good stuff. I remember diving deep into developer velocity around that time in 2020, because that was the new thing from Microsoft and McKinsey at the time. I think it's still very much alive, but it doesn't really get the spotlight. So today's episode is we are going to be talking about uncommon services in Azure. And and perhaps as a brief background, why did we choose this topic for this week? Is that at least I personally often encounter a situation that I'm, I'm delivering a talk, a training, a workshop or a brief on Azure. Perhaps I have a specific viewpoint like security in Azure or cost effective operations or AI and Azure. And there might be somebody in the room who goes, "Oh, there's so much stuff here, and obviously there is, and it's a lot to digest. So there's maybe a couple of hundred individual services in Azure, and depending on on what's your angle, how do you approach a given service, you can see it all differently from somebody else. So I haven't used all Azure services. There's a lot I know nothing about, and I wanted to be, painfully open about this for this episode that, well, this is something I know nothing about. Perhaps somebody in the audience knows and can reach out to us and let's do an episode on that. But, but Toby, I know that you've been using Azure probably longer than I have. And, and do you, do you sort of share the same sentiment that there's a lot of services that you're not really exposed to? You maybe know them on paper or you don't even know them on paper.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think this is an interesting uh, episode for that reason and uh, that we want to talk about some of the uncommon kind of Azure services for us. It might be super common to someone who's tuning in because they use it every day, uh, but to us, very uncommon. And this is exactly spot on because, like you mentioned, there are hundreds of services, right? There is a lot of stuff in there. And, you know, I, I worked with Azure since 2008 when it launched as a beta. And at the time, it was like SQL. You could do SQL in Azure. And since then it's evolved a lot and it's impossible to keep up with all the services, all the capabilities, all the features, all the things you can do in the cloud. Uh, today looks vastly different than it did just a few years ago, even from last year. Um, so it's impossible to keep up. So I think for that reason, this episode is is fun because we get a chance to say, hey, here's a bunch of things I never heard about or I didn't take a look at, uh, but also to set the scene a little bit. like in. When I was in my previous role, my previous company, I was very focused on specific things. Uh, Security products in Azure, operational stuff. How do we increase our operational efficiency? What do we need to operate? How do we deploy containers? Like things that was very specific to what I worked with, but I was never exposed to some other things, right? And that's the same for, for everyone working in Azure, I think. Whatever you're working on right now is what your company needs and And what you need to deliver in your role. So that does like I don't think there's anyone who's exposed to all the services in Azure. But if there is, feel free to come on a call and let's talk about all the services because it's an ever-changing landscape. So, without further ado on that, uh, we all know there is a lot of services. So if you had to pick one to start off, what would be an uncommon service that that you've heard of or never heard of? And, and you know, kind of why would it be uncommon, do you think?
1: So So here's one. And I actually had to utilize Bing Chat Enterprise to arrive at this service because I've never seen this in production in any projects I've been involved with. I've never been in a meeting where somebody says, hey, we actually need this. And this is not to say that this is useless. No, no, far from that. But this is part of a type of a need in Azure that I simply am not exposed to ever. And I feel when I say the name of the service, I feel that somebody at Microsoft is just messing with us, coming up with service names like this and checking if anybody's actually reading this. (laughs) I am. So the service name, and this is the official name, is Avir VFXT for Azure. And if you didn't look it up what would you say toby what does avir vfxt for azure do
0: i don't know it sounds like a a vm SKU for a dedicated gaming cluster i don't know i just made that up i have no idea
1: (laughs) that's yeah 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 i could i could buy into that one uh it is a caching solution for high performance computing tasks so what you're actually doing here you are creating a cluster of a type of AVIR-VFXT and and then you can go up to I think forty thousand CPU cores to do distributed tasks like let's render this animation we need a cluster for this so I I feel this is a specific type of a cluster for HPC needs for specific type of projects and that's probably why I'm not exposed to this one. So so that's that's first on my list. What do you have on your list?
0: So I think um, the first on my list, and I, I've got a long list obviously of services I don't use or, or never heard of. One that I have heard of, but I haven't seen it used a lot yet with the companies uh, that I used to work with, uh, but I think it's growing in interest uh, for a lot of customers, is Azure Sphere. And Astrosphere is like this secured high level application platform with uh, all the built in communication and security features for IoT devices, Internet of Things. And it includes like operating system, cloud service, and a development environment, uh, which helps you kind of make it easier to build secure Internet connected products. So that's Astrosphere. And why this might be uncommon. I think is because Astrosphere is specialized for IoT security, which is a very niche area, not just IoT, not just security, but IoT security. Uh, So it's kind of tailored for organizations building or deploying large numbers of connected devices that require robust security features. Um, And and most of the companies I used to work with are mainly software driven. You have a device, you have a laptop and you just do your thing. But we're seeing more and more like industrial companies who are connecting their devices and making them cloud connected and stuff like that so and i think there's a real use case for for this and i think there are customers a lot of them probably using it i just never used it um, and i never really dug into it but it does sound interesting
1: yeah I i remember when they announced azure sphere maybe three four years ago i sort of followed up on why would i need this i never Got around to getting any of those IoT devices, and and it's coming back to me that this was also I think this was the time that Microsoft announced the the Microsoft Linux distribution that they would be supporting for these devices. I'm I'm vaguely thinking it was C B D Marine or some such. Alrighty, uh, on my list, and this is something we mentioned maybe 18 months ago as part of a built announcement, Azure Orbital Ground Station, and and perhaps somebody says, said it's Azure Space, but not in space. So it's Azure for space, but it's not running Azure in space, in a satellite <laughs> it's just, or a spaceship. It's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> like I Azure know.
0: Space, but not in space. It's actually on the ground, but like space.
1: <laughs> yes, for space needs. And uh, so it's Azure connectivity for ground stations that need to connect with satellites and obviously I do not have my own satellite. I do have friends that use Starlink, the, the Elon Musk powered uh, internet connectivity, but but for Azure space and it could have been that we maybe made an episode even on this because it's again slowly coming back to me after that weekend offsite at the, at the sports resort. So I know for sure that I will not be exposed to this one in, in in practice. Like, hey, Jussi, can you come up with an architecture with an enterprise landing zone for Azure Orbital Ground Station? We have 57 satellites. I'm like, yeah, but no. <laughs> if someone comes
0: to me saying, hey, I, I need help, I have 57 satellites, I'm going to say, let's go. That's that's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so next on my list is actually Astrospace. Uh, it, was, it wasn't actually next on the list, but it's in my list. But I want to pick that now, uh, for obvious reasons. And Azure Space is kind of designed to, like, innovate in the fields of space exploration and research, uh, giving you like a suite of Azure service and capabilities tailored to obviously the unique requirements uh, of data workloads running in space. So why this may be uncommon? Well, this targets the space industry, which number one narrows the field quite a bit. Uh, making it a very highly specialized and applicable uh, to a very narrow set of organizations and projects that operate in this domain. So it's a little bit more narrow uh, than your average like Azure App Service, whichever everyone uh, knows what that is most of the days. Um, so that's why I think it's a little bit more uncommon, but nevertheless, it's super interesting. So again, like someone comes your way saying, "Hey, we got fifty-seven satellites. We want to do some here with Azure Space." you know, sign me up for free. I'm, I'll come right over, take a look. Uh, sounds really fun. Um, so it would be interesting to hear, like if you're tuning into this and you do work with Azure Space and Azure Orbital Ground Station, like either of those, and you want to talk more about that on the show, come right in. Or if you know someone who does that, you know, feel free to recommend them uh, and we'll bring them in as guests if they want to appear. And we'll talk more about how they use that in the real world. That would be really interesting.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh On my list next is Azure Operator Nexus. And again, I think somebody's just invented a fake service to see if anybody clicks this in Azure portal. I have absolutely zero clue what this does. But what I do have is I have a search engine. So Azure Operator Nexus, this is from Microsoft Learn or previously Microsoft Docs. And Azure Operator Nexus is a carrier grade next generation i'm upselling this now hybrid cloud platform for telecommunication operators and there's mentions of lcms and cnfs and vnfs and and uh, numa nodes and nfs and <laughs> cots and bombs and i'm like yeah okay so operators <laughs> obviously work with this type it's of password bingo right now <laughs> yes so operators have telephone operators have the on premises deployment in their data centers they have a vnf whatever that stands for and then you connect that with an express route circuit yeah that i do know and then there's something running on a kubernetes cluster that has a cluster manager and a fabric controller to sort of hook this up and there's a backend thingy with a proxy and data plane services and whatnot so it's like an industry solution and well i don't really work specifically for 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 telephone companies or mobile operators so i'm i'm not exposed to this lingo but i could see yeah there's definitely a value in here
0: all right the next one on my end is called asher playfab and as the name entails it might be something about games right because you can play them so Azure PlayFab is a complete kind of backend service for building, launching, and growing live games, providing services like analytics and you know player accounts and real-time multiplayer stuff. And uh, why that may be uncommon, again, like the space stuff, this is pretty niche. Uh, it's tailored specifically for game developers and studios, making it less likely to be used by organizations outside of the gaming industry, uh, which is why I haven't come across it. But I'm sure it's being used by a lot of companies, again, uh, it's something that, for me, coming from you know working with startups and enterprises in business to business, gaming has never been part of my average uh, kind of a- a day as a consultant, not come across gaming uh, in the field at all with our customers. so I-, I think for that reason, it's interesting to know that it exists, but it's something I have absolutely no idea about. Um, so, specific for the gaming industry,, uh, most likely, exclusively used by the gaming industry and/or if someone is just tinkering with it. Uh, but interesting, nevertheless. So you can uh, you can really set up and build and launch your kind of live multiplayer games on Azure, which is awesome. Uh, so Azure PlayFab, that's that was my pick.
1: I'm I'm sort of always thinking with stuff like Azure PlayFab and the Azure Operator Nexus that these are like pre-designed. Templates for a specific need. But then, if you are a gaming company, you might not be aligned on those specific needs. You might have a different need. You would utilize Azure, but not specifically on something like Playfab. And I again, I am not exposed enough to realize if this is a challenge or not. Uh, on my list is Azure Spring apps. and And I know for a fact, that this has something to do with Java, but that's that's the, that's the only fact that I know. So I have no idea why this is needed. Can't you just run Java stuff in a, in a web app and a function and, and and Kubernetes and 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 so on? So again, I go to Microsoft Learn and it's telling me this is specifically made to d- deploy easily Spring Boot applications. Again, something to do with Java. I left Java in 1997. <laughs> and, and and for this, it mentions in CICD, you can use Jenkins and Maven and Gradle. Makes makes perfect sense. So so again, there's a VMware-based solution for running your jar files, the, the Java Archive Runtime, whatever it stands for. And I have nothing against Java. It's just that I'm so heavily in to Microsoft uh, Development languages like C Sharp and TypeScript and whatnot. That again, I'm not that exposed to this one. And more often, I see Java-based deployments in AWS and Google Cloud now, and less for Azure.
0: Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's a good reflection. I've come across Azure Spring Apps a couple of times, but again, it's very niche. Like if if you've got a company working on Java and you want to deploy and run that in Azure, then that's a a, a way to do that um that's about my extent of my exposure to that but I do know that there are customers using that the next pick on my side is Azure Quantum and I remember when this was announced and everyone like after quantum computing was you know the the buzzword um you know of the times a couple of years back and Azure Quantum is like a full stack open cloud ecosystem if you will uh, kind of aim to uh, to take quantum computing and make it more accessible. So Azure Quantum then provides access to like diverse quantum hardware and software resources, helping researchers and developers to experiment with quantum algorithms. So why that may be uncommon is because quantum computing is still an emerging field. It is not yet widely applicable for most organizations. And um, what I know, or based on my very limited exposure and understanding here it's its use is currently mostly limited to research and specialized com, like computational problems like we need to crack this thing let's throw quantum at it um there was also big talks a couple of years back like when quantum computing becomes so good um like when it comes over a certain barrier it can crack any password it can crack any algorithm it can do any of that stuff that was what everyone was afraid of a couple of years back. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, nevertheless, my my understanding of quantum in itself is something that a lot of researchers uh, are doing um, and, and a lot of people just kind of tinkering with these things to hack on like computational problems and algorithms, stuff like that. That's the extent of my knowledge. That's the extent of my exposure. It would, again, would be really interesting to hear if customers are using Azure quantum if you're tuning in and you're like hey actually we use Azure quantum give us a ping let's talk about it that would be awesome to hear how you're using that and like the what what's the use cases for this
1: quantum is still super interesting and i recall it was 2017 when q sharp the quantum programming language from microsoft was announced i I remember doing a simple test in Visual Studio on that one. And looking back to that code now, I was using Hadamard gates and X gates. I still have no idea what those are, but there's some <laughs> sort of gates <laughs> for doing stuff. But my code did compile, no warnings, no errors. It executed flawlessly, probably because I copy pasted half of that from Microsoft Learn. Anyway, uh, next on my list is R Server for HD Insight. And I I feel I should know what this is, but I sort of, yes, I do know and sort of, I have no clue why why I would need this. So R, the the sort of data mining uh, language, whenever I talk with somebody from a university or from a research facility, they always go, yeah, yeah, I'm doing everything in R. I'm like, okay. So, so why do you need a server for that? But this connects with, with, the, uh, with the Apache-based capabilities, I, I think, I feel, like Apache Hadoop, which is HD Insight, and Apache Spark. And this gives you more performance. I think you can run, with the power of the cloud, you can run your analytics and machine learning-based thingies to get something back. And when I'm... Hallucinating these facts, I'm constantly sort of mentally visualizing an endless Excel sheet with a lot of formulas and going, I now have the power of R server at my fingertips.
0: <laughs> and I, I think, so I, I just Googled this because uh, I'd never heard of it. And Microsoft R server is now known as Microsoft machine learning server. Okay. So I think that's, uh, that's good to know. Which is like 2018 or 2019 or something like that. But looking in docs, it still says our server in a bunch of like pretty much everywhere. Uh, So it's good to to know if you're working in in that space, it might be known as that. But alas, my next and final pick uh, for today is Azure Lab Services. I do know that this is being used, right? Uh, But for me, this is uncommon, something that I wish I had when I was doing a lot of trainings and I had my training company. So Azure Lab Services allows educators, researchers, and developers to like quickly set up and provide a lab environment for your users. And the labs can be used for different scenarios, like teaching a class, which is what I did back in the day. And I did a lot of that. Uh, you can run a hackathon or you can set up a development and test environment. So why may this be uncommon? It, it does target a specific audience like educational institutions uh, or, in my case, a, a training company where we had people coming in from various parts of the country and in and, and Europe and uh, target researchers who need to set up a temporary kind of isolated environment for specific periods of time. Um, and because of this kind of focused use case, it may not be as widely adopted as more general purpose services like your app services or VMs, because I know a lot of the training companies I used to work with, they just set up a VM Back then, it was on-prem. They had a. They actually rolled out a cart with hardware like machines, and they put them in the classroom, connected them all, and voila, you had your physical hardware, and then you streamed. How did you call them? You ghosted, or yeah, what was yeah, that you, called? You, go, uh, you um, ghosted you, the
1: machines to get the yeah, you, ISO files. Yeah, you did a multicast to to uh, ghost, or, or or you had a ghost image that you would multicast to all of the devices, they would reboot, and then they would download over TFTP or BootP or whatever. They would download those on on the devices, and then you would have the configuration in place.
0: Yeah, so we did that. Yeah. Um, And that was less than ideal oftentimes because it it took a long time, and there was like an an employee full-time doing this just to run around with the actual physical hardware and plug it in and then start streaming down the, the ghosted image and all that stuff. We then moved on to cloud and early days of Azure. We did some things in Azure and that was also really nice because you could spin up a VM in Azure based on a specific image, voila, you're up and running. And I think Azure Lab Services makes that even easier or like, I'm going to set up my entire classroom. It's going to look like this, bam, and you get it. Uh, So I wish this would have existed when I ran my training company. Uh, But at the same time, we figured it out, like many things which, again, I think we touched on in the last episode or a few episodes ago, we really need to do an episode talking about our memories in our careers working with Azure um, and anything related to that because there is a lot of stories like this um, how wildly different things worked back in the day. Uh, the things we had to work around, like 15,000 lines of XML just to get a search web part working on a page, which is ridiculous. Anyway, that was my final uncommon Azure service, or at least uncommon to me.
1: I fully agree. I would have needed Azure Lab services back in the day because when you were mentioning that traveling to someplace to a classroom and unpacking the devices, that's what I did in 2002. I would FedEx this massive uh, container to the destination site. I would fly there two days later. I would spend the whole evening just unpacking 20 laptops, connecting them, using Ghost with multicast to, to, to get them to reboot, figuring out network connectivity, just to deliver a two-day training on on, on, on whatever. Fun times. The last on, on my list, and this is not strictly an existing Azure service, but this is a solution, I presume, from Microsoft, because it's in GitHub under the Azure repo, it's called Azure IPAM, so IP Address Management. And it's been years since I've last exposed to IPAM needs. The idea here is that you're perhaps setting up VNets, virtual machines, private links, what have you in Azure. And somehow at some point, especially for enterprises, you have to figure out, so. Are these IP addresses overlapping if we do a VPN here, or if we connect this, or if we route that. And IP address management is sort of like a solution for handling those uh, subnets, networks, uh, reserved IP addresses and whatnot. So it's an open source solution. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes for, for sure. And And for all of the services that we mentioned. I don't think it's going to hurt if we put those in the show notes as well, just in case somebody really, really wants to learn more about Azure VFXT for Azure. Just get it up and running and let us know how it works. We'll
0: we'll provide a buzzword bingo tablet to go with that.
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. Alrighty, so so yes, Azure. It it really is an end to end platform, and you don't have to use everything. And it's it's fun to be hearing your experiences as well working on Azure for what, 15 years now and we have services that we are not really exposed to and that's perfectly fine because as you said when we got started today, that depending on the project, depending on the company you work for, there's specific needs for specific services that you tend to gravitate towards uh, as opposed to going, yeah, let me actually try Azure Operator Nexus, perhaps that's fun because Obviously, if you're not working on on that industry, you're not going to need that specific service. And that's perfectly fine righty. The last bit, the unexpected question. Ah uh, Toby, this week, you get to ask me the unexpected question
0: all right. and in in lieu of the in in light of the episode today, I wanted to do something Azure related for the unexpected question. If you were to compare Azure, to a superhero which one would it be and why
1: good question i i went to see a superhero movie i think it was one of the newer marvel movies with 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 my two oldest sons they're old enough now that they want to see adult movies and i was sitting there and i was like yeah this is sort of fun but i think i'm too old now for superhero movies i don't i'm, I'm not really invested on those anymore so I am going to lean lean back on the on the old classics, Iron Man. Because Tony Stark, he was always the smartest man in the room. He was constantly evolving, constantly innovating, constantly coming up with new stuff, but still being the reliable backbone to the whole superhero family. So yes, <laughs> Iron Man, I would compare Azure to. Yeah, good. I'm I'm glad you didn't say Hulk. Let's smash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's smash. Alrighty. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. See you then.